verse 8 through 11. I'll read it to you. I got it nice and big today because I wanted to make sure that I can see it, right? It's not about you. It's about me. I want to make sure I can see it. But let's read Galatians 4, 8 to 11. And if you're able to, let's please stand. It's only three verses. Pretty easy. The children are dismissed to children's church while you're standing anyways. Thank you. Galatians 4, 8 to 11, we read this. Formerly, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasoning years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Thank you. You may be seated. See, that wasn't so hard, was it? Pretty quick and painless, but I appreciate you respecting the word of God. We continue in this series in grace in Galatians and talking about plus nothing. There's nothing we can do to add to our grace. There's nothing we can do to earn our own salvation. It's only by the grace of God... Through Jesus Christ that was saved. When I was thinking this week about this scripture, I was thinking about something I used to do as a child. You see, when I was a child, I used to walk backwards. Have you ever done that before? I was reminded about that this week. And maybe you've been reminded of that before as well. Maybe you, find, you would find yourself as a child just walking backwards around the room. I was reminded this week, I'm going to walk around the room. How about that? I'm going to trip. That's a sermon illustration. I'll use it later. How you doing, Tim? How you doing, Larry? See, I used to walk backwards, and I was reminded this week as I saw my son, Colton, walking backwards around the house and, and following me all around. He thought it was fun. It was a game to him, you see, because he's walking backwards. And that's what we would do as a kid. We'd, we'd turn it into a game as a kid. We'd see who can walk the fastest backwards, who can complete an objective the fastest backwards. What all can we do walking backwards? But as you just saw, walking backwards has its problems, doesn't it? You see, it slows us down. And there's always a problem with walking backwards because we can't do it forever. Because either we find ourselves not getting where we need to go, or we find ourselves walking backwards into the past where we shouldn't be going to begin with. Walking backwards or in reverse may be getting you somewhere, but it's not getting you anywhere fast. Even, even moving in a back, backwards in a car will not get you there very fast because cars are not designed to drive backwards for extended periods of time. You're supposed to drive forward. So the forward-moving gears can go much faster. I'm not telling you to try this, but if you were to try and drive backwards on the highway, you would find everybody is flying by you, and they might be... Um, yelling things at you too. <laughs> you shouldn't be driving backwards on the highway. But just like a car, driving your life in reverse or backwards also slows you down. You see, it slows you down from God's right way of living and from reaching where God wants you to be. Just as you move fastest into your fullest potential when your car is in a forward-moving gear, it is also with your eyes focused on the road ahead. You're not going to get to where you need to be by looking off to the side or looking in the rear view mirror the whole time. In fact, 
Your traveling might be stopped short very fast as you're looking to the side and you end up finding yourself going to the side and right into a tree. You need to keep your eyes focused forward. And when driving your life, it's also best to keep your life in forward gear. Let me explain. You see, we live life to the fullest by living by the grace of God, according to his will, and with our eyes focused on him. We can't continue to look in the rearview mirror and looking to the way things used to be. We can't continue to look to the side at all these little distractions of life. That's what Satan wants you to do. He wants us to look to the side, anything to take our eyes off of God. But the way to move forward is to look to God. The way to drive our life forward is to look to God. We must keep our eyes focused on moving forward and focused on God. Now, I'm going to throw that kind of into a tailspin, though. Let me confuse you just a little bit more, because maybe what I'm saying that's moving forward is focusing on God is actually moving backwards. Let me show you a short video clip to show you what I mean. Jessica, could we um, turn down the lights and I'll get the video clip started. The way of the world, the familiar, the routine, drifting toward the same ends, heading off in the distance as if there was no other way. But when you meet Christ, you realize there's a different direction. A guide that invites you on a counter-cultural pilgrimage. You find a sweet harmony in conversation, in step with him. You realize the blessing that it is to be near to him. He asks you to drop everything, to follow the path toward him, and while the walk is certainly not without its challenges, you are not left unattended. But it's easy to lose focus. It may not be intentional, but if you're not disciplined to move, the gap can widen and you'll become used to your callousness. He desires to have you close and you remember how pleasing it is. But the affairs of the world can become rather overwhelming. And there are times when you feel trapped. Times when you get preoccupied, distracted, pushed, pulled, bogged down. And you realize the instant that you're not actively moving toward him, you're moving away from him. Remember who called you to this journey and run to him. Thank you. You may turn on the lights. So, now that I've confused you and I've got you thinking backwards, see what I did there? Maybe I confused you and you're thinking, okay, backwards, forwards, which way is the right way? I said moving backwards is bad because you trip over chairs, right? Um, but sometimes moving backwards is the thing we need to do. But it's not about the direction, really. You see, 
he was moving backwards to be able to get to Christ. But you'll notice he wasn't truly just walking backwards with his eyes the opposite direction. He was moving backwards in relation to society. He was living counterculturally, and that's what we need to do as well. We need to keep our eyes focused on Christ. We need to live according to his ways, to glorify him, to live for his will and not simply our own will. But sometimes when we get distracted, you notice in that video, he noticed his shoe was untied. Simple distraction. He bent down to tie his shoe and he found himself on that escalator, that walkway, moving further and further away from Christ. That's what distractions do in our life. They sometimes take our eyes off of Christ. By the time we look back up from this distraction, we notice we feel far away from him. We need to stay focused on him. Sometimes, when we're moving backwards, it might not actually be a bad thing. So I put up some pictures here for you. Backwards, forward sign, the moving backwards logo that we were using today. Wrong way! And then in the upper right-hand corner there, you got a, a little girl on a sled, sledding down snow, a snow hill. You can use your imagination. It's a white background. But is that the wrong way? There's my example for you. Is that the wrong way? You see, maybe that's not the wrong way. Maybe it looks like she's going backwards, but really that's the way that she intended to go. That's the way she wanted to go because she wanted to live life to the fullest and have a little more fun, have a little more hope at fun. You see, it might look like we're living life backwards at times to the world, to culture, but really that is the intended way to live. We're living according to his ways, his will, to glorify him and not just to glorify himself. Again, the main point for today is this. We need to live life to the fullest by living by the grace of God, according to his will and with our eyes focused on him. The right way to live is to leave your old enslaved ways and follow Christ in his ways. And we don't turn back. And that's what we see in Galatians chapter 4, 8 to 11, Paul is speaking of. So I want to read this to you once more as we dig in just a little bit deeper. It says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years, I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Remember how I talked about how I would walk backwards as a child? Here in verse 8, Paul's using this term, that very first word there, I'll point out, formerly. You see, he's talking about their old life, their old ways. In essence, he's, he's going to compare their old life, their old ways, to the new way that they should be living. Or maybe they are living, but they're starting to hit those distractions. They're starting to hit their struggles. In a way, he's saying that the old ways, formerly, is how they acted as children in the faith. But now they've matured in their faith, and they should not be turning back to those things. They should not be allowing these distractions to make them take their focus off of God's new way of living, living according to grace. With the coming of the promised seed, Christ, and the grace that Jesus had given them through the victory on the cross, they have a way of maturing in their faith. And they must not turn back to the old ways. No matter how hard life gets, 
No matter what struggles you go through, you need to stay focused on Christ. Don't turn back to the old ways of living or to your old sins. And that's what the Galatians were starting to do. They were starting to turn back to old ways of living. We must live differently now. We must be counterculture, cultural. We must counter cultural, culture, and we must not stop. We must live different than the world. We must allow Christ to shine through us so that we can light up the world to show them that what they think is acceptable and okay and right is not okay. We must not be silent anymore and just blending in. And that's what you noticed in that video. The guy was blending in with the crowd. And he thought he's moving forward because he's blending in with everybody else. But really, he's getting further and further and further away from Christ and his will and glorifying him because he's blending in. We need to counter culture. Just because the culture, the world around you believes that something is okay, it does not mean that we go back to accepting it ourselves. That might be things like homosexuality, drunkenness, infidelity, sex before marriage. I said it. All these things which we think we need to just accept because the world thinks it's okay, and that's just the normal thing now. It doesn't mean it's okay just because the world says it's okay. We need to look to God's word and see what's okay. We should not be worshiping idols. What is an idol? What is a false god? Is it anything which takes the place of God being the number one in your life? We must look to God's word and live counter-culturally. And we must show others what the true way of living should be. We must live to worship him and obey his commands before anything else. And don't stop. Many people right now have given up a lot of things for Lent. Maybe some of you have. But you know the worst part about that? Because it can be really good giving up a lot of things in your life. And a lot of times we say, I know I shouldn't be doing this, so I'm going to give this up. I'm going to give up drinking for, for Lent. I'm going to give up cussing or using bad language for Lent. I'm going to give up looking at things on the internet that I shouldn't for Lent. I'm going to give up this or that or this or that for Lent. And some of it might be smoking. Um, some of it may be, I'm going to give up pop. Maybe it's soda, whatever you like to call it. There's different things. But here's the bad thing about that. With Lent, you give up all these things because you say it gets in the way of me worshiping God. But then after Lent's over, you go right back to it. Isn't that kind of the wrong way of thinking? If it was wrong to begin with and you realize I should not be doing this because it gets in the way of me worshiping God. Now some of this stuff might not get in the way of worshiping God. You just think it's bad for my health, like drinking pop or soda or Coke, whatever you want to call it. But a lot of the things we give up because we think it gets in the way of what God wants for my life and how I should worship him. We shouldn't go back to it then at the end. We need to not turn back to our old ways of living. And that's what Paul is cautioning these Galatians on. They need to stop looking back, stop turning back to the old ways of living. Paul explains at the end of verse 8 that in the past stage of life they were enslaved to things that, wit that are not God which are not God. Let me bring that up again. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. Now, I think we need a reminder that here in Galatians, who Paul is speaking to, are mostly Gentiles. They might not all be of Jewish descent or background. So he's not necessarily just speaking of the old law, 
But he's also speaking uh, to people who would worship, have pagan worship. They would worship false gods, false things. He gets into later on listing specific things they would worship, specific holidays and festivals and days and months. We do that in a way ourselves as well with worshiping Christmas and Easter. But we also should realize it's not about worshiping that day. It's about worshiping what God did with that day. There's a lot of religions around the world. There's some which do not worship the holiday of Christmas. Well, they don't celebrate Christmas. They don't celebrate Easter because they say that we should not worship these days. We should worship Christ. It's about what our mindset is behind it. The world is still living in bondage. Just like Paul is speaking to them about needing to focus on Christ and not be living in bondage to your old ways, the world is doing that. But we allow them to continue doing it without even telling them that they are in bondage. Paul goes on to tell them, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles? How can you continue to turn back when you now know God, you know all the great blessings, the promises that he gives you in life? We know God because God first knew us. He, he lit a light in our life to see the, the error in our ways. But the world needs that light as well. And we need to show it to them. We need to live counter-culture, culturally. We need to show them the way to God. And if we are God's children, then we need to act like God's children. This was the topic of last week's sermon, that we are sons of God. And with that, with that idea of being a son of God comes great power, great promise. It comes with an inheritance. But you know what we didn't talk about? Our responsibility as being his children. So that's what Paul starts to explain to them. Paul's explaining to them that being called children of God requires us to live with a great responsibility of living a holy life because we are his children. We should desire to love and worship him. We should be seeking to give him the glory and not be seeking to glorify ourselves. And most importantly, we should not be looking back and seeking to turn away from him. Let me read to you from 1 Peter 1, 15 to 19. We read this. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, we did not buy are right, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. How do you live in a holy way if we continue to look back to our old ways? We need to continue to live in the new way and keep our eyes focused on Christ. Let me give it to you a different way. You see, God has removed your shackles. He's removed the handcuffs from your wrist and from your, your ankles. He set you free. We need to stop putting them back on ourselves, putting us into bondage. Don't put yourself into bondage over something that God's already forgiven you for. But continue to stay focused on him. 
Don't allow the distractions of the world to allow you to keep looking back. Got a little bit behind here, but here's that next slide. Do not live in idolatry. Looking to anything else as more of a priority than God. We must not act like our former, former selves. We must act more and more like Christ, the new selves. And that's where we move on to verse 9. says, but now. But now. Notice that in the scripture. But now. That's different. We shouldn't be continuing to live as past. But now that you have come to know God. Or rather to be known by God because we can't know God on our own. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to be once more? Paul starts to say, now that you know God, and he corrects himself. Or maybe he doesn't correct himself, but maybe he just wants to say it a different way to change the meaning. To help us and the Galatians to see, it's not that we knew God based off anything that we did or are doing. We know God only because God first knew us. John 6, says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. But moving on, on Paul comes back to his point at hand and explains to the Galatians, that they should not want to turn away. They shouldn't want to turn back to the old ways because they now have a new way of living which guarantees us a promise of life, a promise of hope, a promise of joy. It guarantees us certain gifts and the gift of a helper of the Spirit as well. Moving backwards is the wrong way if it takes us away from Christ. Moving backwards is the wrong way if it takes us focus off God glorifying him and looking to his will. Life may be starting to get hard. And that might have been what was happening in the Galatians here in their lives. Life may have been getting hard. They may have been getting distracted. But that doesn't mean we turn back to our old ways. If you're an alcoholic and you turn away from being an alcoholic and you've been sober and good for five years, six years, ten years, and then all of a sudden you run into trouble, you lose your job, you, your bank account goes empty, your wife leaves you, whatever the case may be, the worst thing you can do is move back to being an alcoholic. You're not going to get your life straight by taking your, life, your focus off Christ and moving back into a life of sin. Never should we turn back to old ways just because things get hard. This would be putting our lives back into shackles. This would be putting our lives back into bondage. This would be enslaving ourselves. Finally, we come to verses 10 to 11. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. You see, the Galatians and Jewish people's old ways were not even just of old laws. It wasn't things which maybe in the old ways they were supposed to abide, but a lot of things were things that they had kind of made up on their own as pagan worshipers are worshiping false gods. A lot of things we too have made up on our own. We've said that this is important and this is what saves us or this is what helps me through life. When really it doesn't help us, it gets us further away from God. It's not that some of these aren't a good thing. Some of these things are great things. 
but we must keep a rightful spirit of, of realizing what saves us and what does not. He warns them of practicing these things as being a requirement to salvation, because it's not. John MacArthur shared a good story in a commentary I read. I'd like to read it to you. It says this. He shared a story of visiting a very large Buddhist shrine. Maybe you can picture this in your head. Maybe you've seen it in movies. Many men, women, and children were bowing down to giant stone images of Buddha, reciting prescribed prayers, going through various incantations, and making offerings of incense and food. John MacArthur stated that his heart broke for these people because of the spiritual darkness and hopelessness. He wanted to shout at them, why are you doing this? Don't you know that image is only a piece of stone carved by men? There is no God here, nothing that can save you. Buddha himself is long, has long since passed away, both physically and spiritually. He will continue to be as he is, dead. And if you continue to trust in him, worshiping him in these ways, you too will die and remain forever dead. Just like this story, there's many false gods in our life. There's many false perceptions on how we worship God as well. You see, maybe Satan likes to twist our mind of thinking that what we're doing even right here is what saves us. But let me tell you, attending church, singing songs, reading the Bible, it's all great things, but it should not be done with the mindset that this is what saves you. What saves you is the presence that we're in. We're in the presence of God. And the reason, the why, the how we're in the presence of God is only because of Jesus. That is what saves you. So we need to be sure that what you're worshiping is truly God and his saving grace. We must also be sure that we're worshiping God for him to be glorified and not ourselves. I love these next couple quotes here, so I wrote them down. If your Christianity is a checkoff box in order to make you feel good about yourself before God in order to save your skin on the day of judgment, then your Christianity is no different than any other works-based religion. And ultimately, it will condemn you too. Pastor David Platt. So if you go to church, you check mark that box, went to church today, I'm doing good. Read my Bible today, check, doing good. I sung a few hymns, I sung a few worship songs, great, doing good. I treated my wife with love and respect today, doing good. If you do all these things with the mindset that this is what saves you, you're doing it all wrong. What saves you is Christ. Let me share another one with you. Pastor Alistair Begg says this. When we believe that we should be satisfied rather than God being glorified in our worship, then we put God below ourselves as though he had been made for us. I think that's a pretty powerful one. Why are you here today? Are you, here, are you here to feel good about yourself because you checkmarked a box? Are you here to feel good about yourself because you sang a few worship songs and you listened to a pastor preach maybe longer than he should have? I earned extra points today. I listened to him go on an extra five minutes. No. We're saved because of who we're worshiping. We're saved because of the relationship we have with Jesus. Here's a thought for you, and I'm wrapping up here. What if Satan's way of deceiving you is not always by tempting you to do the wrong things, but tempting you to do the right things with the wrong mindset? The wrong spirit, a spirit which thinks you're earning God's favor and grace through doing these right things. Let's take it a bit further. 
What if Satan wants you to do these things as long as you continue doing with this wrong spirit? You see, Jehovah's Witness study the Bible and can quote it better than a lot of Christians. They're doing that, that thing that we checkmark our box with. Muslims pray. Does this save them? Hindus worship a god. Does this save them because they're worshiping a god? Mormons go on mission trips. We like to go on a mission trip and think, oh, I did good this week. It's not about what you do. It's about what you could never do, and yet Christ did. Christ saved you. It's not that these things are bad. These things are good, and they're, they're a priority in our faith. We should be in the Word of God. We should be praying. We should be going on mission trips and going to all the world, discipling, teaching others, showing them the way to God through Jesus. But that's not what saves you. Let me say that again. It's not about what you do. It's about what you could never do. And yet Christ could and he did. Jesus died for you. But he rose again. That he could be victorious over our sin and we can have a life. Verse 11, Paul was at the end of his rope. He's desperately pleading with these people not to go back to living as they once were. But he is fearing the worst. As he says... Let me bring it up here. Make sure I get it right. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. I was thinking about that this week. I was just hoping that when God looks at our, our life, he's not thinking that same thing. Oh, I wanted so much more for you. I've given you everything. I've shown you the way, but only you can truly accept that and start walking towards me. Start keeping your eyes focused on me. You need to be glorifying me. You need to be lifting me up. You need to be living according to my will. So what are we going to do? How do we live now? What is the application for your life? What is the take home? i give you this. Number one, live to give glory to God. And not the other way around, thinking that we live for God to glorify us. Live to give glory to God. According to the way of, of our former selves, false gods and legalism and laws, we shouldn't live that way. We should be living for the grace of God to be shown to all the world. To some, this may look like you're living backwards. To some, it may look like you're living counterculturally. They may say, Tim, why are you living why are you living different than us? Why are you disagreeing with homosexuality? Why are you disagreeing with, with all of these different things? It's okay. Because we need to live counterculturally. We need to light a light into these people's lives and, and show them that it's not okay. We know the right way to live, and this is not it. The right way to live is according to God's word. Let's move forward. We need to evaluate who you idolize. What a man loves most, cares for most, and delights in most, that is his God. Where the heart is, there is his God. Who do you idolize? What do you idolize? What do you idolize more than God himself? Because God, the one true God, or your heavenly father who you're a child of, or you could be, should be the only thing that you truly idolize. This is the first and greatest commandment Jesus gives us, is to love your God. And then love others as yourself. So number 
two here, or the last point, is this. Acknowledge the one true God. Acknowledge the one true God and don't turn back to the false gods of your past. Don't turn back to sin. Is the way you're living the right way or the wrong way? Are you living in a way where you're walking backwards and stumbling over seats and getting distracted and taking your eyes off of God? Or is the way that you're living okay because you may be walking backwards, but it's backwards from culture and you're keeping your eyes focused on Christ because that's what you need to do. You need to keep your eyes focused on God and we can only do that through Jesus. So, to live life to the fullest by living by by the grace of God. That's how you live life to the fullest. We live life to the fullest by living according to the grace of God, according to His will, but with our eyes focused on Him. If you don't keep your eyes focused on Him, you're going to start to stumble. You're going to start to fall. You're going to get your car in an accident. We need to live according to Him in His ways. I'm going to pray, and if Brian wants to come up and close us in song, please bow your heads. Lord, we thank you for your magnificent grace, and the grace which covers all of our sins, all of our past ways, all these false gods and idols which we may have worshipped before we learned and, and became in knowledge of you. You have made yourself known to us, your glorious, wonderful grace. May we continue to worship you for this and the many promises you give us, such as your hope and love and joy and a future with you through life with Christ. Because our sins are forgiven through him, his victory on the cross. May we not go back to look to our old ways. May we not even tempt ourselves, Lord, with going back to the old ways. Lord, if we are slave to alcohol, may we be free in Christ and don't turn back. If we were a slave to pornography, may we realize that we are free in Christ and we may not, we should not, we do not continue to look back, whether we are a slave to drugs, materialism, self-absorbed, whatever it is, fear, worry, depression, anxiety, anger, whatever our struggle is, whatever our sin is, whatever we idolize, may we continue to look to you. And don't turn back to these things just because life gets hard. When life gets hard, may we look to you, keep our eyes focused on you, may we continue to live counter-culturally, to not, even do, to not just do what's right in our lives for you, but to show the world what is right and glorious. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray today. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. Visions of rapture now burst on 
What is it that you used to worship that was not God? Which is, what is it that you used to take your sight away from him? May we leave it in the past. Don't look back. Is there something that's taking your eyes off of Christ now? Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe your, your field of vision is so cloudy that you just don't know what to do. I urge you now, give your life to him. Surrender your life to Christ and admit that you can't do this on your own. You need forgiven of your sins, and you need a Savior. You need somebody to bridge that gap to the Father and allow you to have a connection with Him. You need somebody to take away these things, these distractions, these struggles from your life. I'm not saying that they're all going to go away, but what I am saying is that it's going to be a lot easier to get through this life with all these struggles when you have a Lord on your side, when you have a Holy Spirit God within you to help you. Don't forget to stick around for Sunday school, and we have our annual business meeting following Sunday school. So if you do not stick away around for Sunday school, maybe you have breakfast plans with your family, I urge you, come back for the business meeting and bring me some food. <laughs> Let me pray now as we close. Lord God, we thank you for the magnificent grace you give us once again, and we worship you today not for what you give us, not for what we, we can give you because we can't, but what you have given us. You've given us life and a future. I pray for everybody in here. If they're struggling to find you, if they're struggling to stay focused on you, Lord, I just pray that they surrender it to you and they say, Lord, I need your help. We have a way of trying to control our lives. We have a way of being depressed and angered and frustrated and allowing our, our lives to get so out of whack. It's all because we try and do it on our own and we can't do it on our own. We need you. Lord, I give it to you today. Everything that's on my mind that does not honor and glorify you, everything that doesn't focus my mind on praising and glorifying you with my life, I give it to you. And I pray that everybody in here does the same. Lord, convict their minds, convict their hearts to realize they need a Savior too. We all do. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for coming today.